All statements and opinions expressed by guests of the Adult in the Room podcast are strictly their own and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or opinions of the host, producers, or advertisers. All interviews are presented in their most complete possible form in the interests of free speech. No statements should be interpreted as financial, legal, or medical advice. Listener and viewer discretion are strongly advised. It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. You know, for years, one of the most consistent guests on the Tucker Carlson Tonight program on Fox News was Chadwick Moore. I mean, he had a permanent seat there and he was on Carlson's last show. Now, Chadwick, Chadwick Moore is a writer. He is a an artisan. He's uh, gifted at his craft and he wrote for Out. He wrote for The Advocate, and he's written for many other outlets. For example, he's now with The Spectator. He has written books. And as I say, been a consistent guest on the Tucker Carlson Tonight program. What's interesting is uh, he was on, as I mentioned, Tucker's last show. But prior to that, for an entire year, he'd been working on a biography of Tucker Carlson. (laughs) So, I mean, that's that's got to be interesting timing. And uh, it was somewhat providential for a guy trying to sell a book. I think maybe some some good stuff, some, some not so great stuff. But in our interview today, we're going to get to the backstory on Carlson. I want to know a little bit about his background because I think he's one of the few people in media who's genuinely interesting and not a cardboard cutout, a caricature of somebody who's supposed to be on the news and talking as a talking head on the news. But why did the most successful host on Fox, on cable, or any other host really currently working, get cut loose from the number one cable news network? It made made no sense. Morse Books called Tucker comes out in July. And the reason it's been delayed is because, well, you know, it's supposed to be out in May. Now it's out in July because of what happened to Tucker Carlson. So I want to know how all that worked out, too. What happened when you figured out what had happened to Tucker Carlson? Now, Chadwick Moore, welcome to the Adult in the Room podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Victoria. I really appreciate what I know so far of your book. And I've listened to a lot of interviews. By the way, the best interview that you've conducted to to date that I've heard is with Michael Berry. It's just incredibly thoughtful. Really enjoyed it, except it was cut off. And so I didn't get to hear all of it. However, I did find out and divine from one of the interviews that you did. One of the most extraordinary things I could have found out, I think, maybe about Tucker Carlson and his background, and it's that his wife has never seen his show. How is that possible? And what kind of a relationship was this? Or is this? You have really done your research. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I read about that in the book. Um, Susie, his wife. Uh, so they met when they were in high school. They've been together ever since when they're 15 years old, which is incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, I stayed in their home at, at their request, which was sort of amazing. Uh, you know, every time that I, I interviewed Tucker, they insisted I stayed at their home and, um, uh, they have like such a lovely relationship. It was really, um, it was like a beautiful thing to see. Um, and, and, and clearly, you know, extremely important to Tucker. And, and I think, um, I think, uh, you know, it has a lot to do with who the man he is today. Uh, so she has, they don't own televisions and, and any of, and either of their two homes, they don't own televisions. 
She's never seen the show, save for one time when she went to the studio to watch it live. Uh, but she um, reads his or read his monologues every night before he sent them off to the producers. She would read them. So she knows what's going on, obviously, you know, but they just don't watch television. They're not TV people, which is ironic considering he was the number one host on cable news. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, that's one of the like interesting quirks, uh, you know, they're both, neither of them are on social media, uh, and, um, they really like make great efforts to kind of tune out the noise. Um, Susie is great. She's like, she, uh, you know, Tucker told this story about buying her an iPad once and she just kind of looked at it strange and put it into a drawer and never touched it again. Uh, really? she loves, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're Luddites. I say that in, in like a, in a, a um, loving way. A they're loving, loving Luddites. Way. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, yeah. So, so they, they don't watch TV and she's never seen the show except for that one time. And she sat in studio to watch it. <sighs> that is extraordinary. What other houses? They have two houses, right? There's, there's one in Maine and one in Florida. Whatever happened to the Washington DC house when it was surrounded by the Antifistanis? Was that the final straw? Uh, yeah, there? it was actually, that was the final straw. Um, they attacked the home. Uh, Susie was, was at home. Tucker was at work. You know, they tried to break down the door. They vandalized the place. And they lived in D.C. forever. And uh, that was a final straw. After that, uh, Tucker said, we're going to permanently relocate to Maine. And he looked at buying a, the town garage, which he ended up doing. Uh, that was kind of like a, a drama with the town. Not, not against him. They love him. But like some journalists came in and were trying to prevent him to do it. Some local media, which is sort of interesting. And um, uh, yeah, that was it. And then um, now they do part time in Florida in the winter, uh, mainly for Susie, because Susie, you know, they both love Maine, but but it's where they live is extremely isolated. Oh, and, yeah. Um, uh, Fairies yeah, they, everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, they mainly do Florida for her because, you know, she's a social outlet. She needs to be around people. So uh, if I think if Tucker could have have it his way, he would be in Maine year round. Has Susie always not watched him on TV? Because, of course, he's done stints at CNN and MSNBC had his own show for a while, which I never, I don't think I ever watched. I just knew it was there um, because I was never that impressed with him until he came over to Fox. And what happened? What was that? Well, okay, first of all, let's let's find out about Susie. What what kind of a, did she always not watch him? Yeah, no, she just never watched him. She's always been this way. Uh, she's sort of like the last soldier in Okinawa. She's like really sticking, clinging to an old world uh, in, a, in the most perfect way ever. You know, she loves like, uh, handwriting letters uh, and uh, she keeps like a she she still has um the the date books from every year of their marriage so well over 30 date books and she actually showed me the whole stack of them that has their entire life in these books uh, really? which is really sweet yeah 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 that is really sweet is yeah. she a writer also i know nothing about her except that no, she's, but she's a huge reader she reads every morning mm -hmm. for at least a couple hours and she loves book and you know tucker gave him a literary background you know he started as, as a writer and if anyone who watches his his show or watched his show would be able to tell that those monologues he writes himself, you know, and they're and they're very literary. There's such a literary quality to them. His heroes include people like Hunter S. Thompson, uh, P.J. O'Rourke, uh, and he kind of like stumbled into television. He never he didn't seek out to become a television personality. Uh, he was mainly a, a literary guy. Uh huh. I remember his writing at uh, the Weekly Standard with Bill Kristol, one of his biggest fans now, and <laughs> that's a joke. Uh, you talked to Bill Crystal for this book, didn't you? Oh, well, I tried to. He wouldn't talk to me, amazingly. A lot really? of those people wouldn't. Oh, yeah. But I, I dug up some great quotes from Bill Crystal back in the Weekly Standard days where he just sang Tucker's praises up and down. Um, but no, no. So many of those people, especially Bill Crystal, refused to speak to me over this book, which is so funny because they, they incessantly talk about Tucker, but they wouldn't um, speak to me personally. 
I, you know, I'm trying to think back to his writings in uh, the Weekly Standard. Those were the old neocon days, the Iraq War and uh, evil versus good, which, of course, still exists in this world, as he's fond of pointing out. Um, was he kind of a did he throw his lot in with the neocons? I can't remember. I think he was, wasn't he? Wasn't well, he one of those guys who, you yes know, warmonger, no. this and that? Uh, yeah. For sure. Okay. Um, for sure. In the build up to the Iraq war, definitely. He wasn't I wouldn't say yeah. like necessarily a big warmonger, but he was definitely on the side of the Bush administration yeah. and on the invasion. OK, until I, I meet uh, you. I, I meet you. I wasn't a warmonger either. But I mean, yeah. I, I was listening to George Bush and I believed him. So there you go. He did, too. And and actually, one of his like biggest uh, political pivots was because of the Iraq war in 2003. He went to Iraq for Esquire magazine to write about these contractors. He was embedded with them who, who were, you know, operating in Iraq. Uh, it changed his entire opinion on the war and and uh, beltway conservatism. Like that was probably his biggest political turning point was when he physically went there and saw what was going on. And then he he immediately became against the war and really against the establishment, like sort of from that trip. Re- I'm going to go back and read that. Yeah, um, it, it's a great piece. It's a, it's a really beautiful piece. Yeah, He is a really good writer. When the last uh, Tucker's last uh, monologue was going around on Twitter, I don't know where that came from. Was that you? Um I, you, I, I read it. I go, oh, yeah, sure. Somebody AI wrote it or somebody else wrote it. And I read it and I go, no, that's Tucker Carlson. That's absolutely yeah. him. Yeah. His final monologue. Yeah. The show that the one that didn't air for April 24th. The one that didn't air. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he was. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, let's just go back because I've started something and I started something with talking about Susie and never watching him. I want to find out what what that moment the the television trajectory as well you've already told me one of the goalposts if you will or you know uh, whatever benchmarks in his belief system was going to iraq what was it about the cnn and msnbc experiences that catapulted him to to really to become how good he is on television cuz he he didn't used to be that great no, that I mean, that's a great question. It really is. You know, I just I think it I think it, it was an amalgamation of age coming into his own. You know, his values have changed very little. So, like we mentioned, the Iraq War, of course, he he certainly shifted up things like that. But his values have always been. You know, he's he's very he's sort of uh, and he always has been, and much like his father, also I would add, sort of a, a rapscallion. You know, kind of a mischievous little scamp, and he was definitely like that in his in his writerly days. But I think it was just, you know, the culture changed. Donald Trump came onto the scene. The Republican politics changed, conservative politics changed in a way that, you know, really just aligned with who he sort of is. At Fox, he was given a, a lot of freedom, I think probably more than, well, I know more than any other host. And um, I think he just came into his own. The culture aligned sort of with like his personal values and what he's like. And I think he was just given sort of freedom to be who he was. Uh, and, um, you know, he'd, he'd gotten older, he'd gotten wiser and uh, just sort of unleashed on Fox. Now I think we're seeing him truly unleashed after he's off Fox, or we will see him truly unleashed. We're seeing a taste of it on Twitter. Um, but I, I think that had to do with everything. You know, he, 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 he meant so much to so many people because he came around and came into his own at the time when we're all seeing the paradigm shift. And, and I don't think any of us really know what it means or what exactly is happening, but we do know that the traditional... Uh, definitions of liberal and conservative aren't what we thought they were. Democrat and Republican, we're, we're just seeing them as the uniparty now. It's sort of the people versus the elites. Um, and uh, he's always sort of embodied that, um, I, I guess, the sort of angst uh, against the, the system. And um, I, I think he just sort of, it just happened with, um, it was a perfect uh, marriage of the time and, and who he, what his values are. 
You know, it's so funny because I call him a conservative host, and yet I, I think populism is more his game, and I think that's where he's at politically more often than not. But he also has he has all these he had all of these really far left people on his program from RFK, Glenn Greenwald, and a presence like you were or on this program. Uh, who else? I mean, he'd have if Julian Assange was available for interviews, I swear he'd have him on a show all the time because he's always mentioning. I mean, so so he was a guy who really had no palpable political home, if that's even if that even makes sense. I mean, you know, you know that the GOP is here's this box of views and here's the 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 former Democrats, the, the classical liberals. And then there's these radicals over here. He had people, I, I guess maybe it was, then I think about it, people who really believed in civil liberties. Yeah. Do you, he, do you comport with that? I mean, is that resonating yeah, with and, you? Yeah, and even like Tulsi Gabbard used to guest host his yes. show when he was out. Um, he identifies himself as a civil libertarian. That's how, that's mm. what he de defines his political views as. Um, and I think you're right. It's like, you know, if you if you're to watch, you know, other Fox News hosts like Sean Handy, for example, who I've never met, I'm sure he's a nice guy. But you're getting like the Republican Party talking points in the line and those people coming on. But Tucker, you never knew what you were getting. And uh, and he didn't tell that. And, you know, the, the Republican establishment, the Democrats hated Tucker, obviously, but the Republicans really feared him and they didn't want to be called out by him and they wouldn't come on his show. You know, like how many times nope. did Lindsey Graham like refuse <laughs> to go on his show, you know, or Greg Abbott or someone like they just wouldn't go. They were so terrified of him. Um and uh, I think you're right. He, he's he's very much. It's so funny because so many things he cares about most are not things that you would typically that you would never associate with the Republican Party. But I would think that you would associate with conservatism, capital C. And those would be things like um, the environment. You know, he he's such a nature freak in the best possible way. And I loved writing about that in the book. Uh, but and that's why he hates the green movement. That's why he hates the climate change narrative, because they do nothing to actually improve the actual environment. Uh, and another thing might be, um, you know, uh, architecture and beauty. Oh. Uh, you know, he talks so much about that. And, and he's he does talk about beauty a lot. He does. And no one else could get away with that on cable news unless you really mm -hmm. believed in it. You know, Tucker would never do a topic if he didn't absolutely believe in it, as his producers would tell me that. And 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 uh, and he could talk about things like architecture and beauty um, because the passion was there. No one else could get away with that because they don't care. You know, these people on cable news. Um, and but he would talk about how, you know, like, why do we want everything to look like the dollar store? When's the last time you heard a conservative say that? And yet that is a very deeply conservative value is, you know, pre pre preserving beauty, having a beautiful environment, you know, having a craftsmanship in, 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 in our aesthetics. I've always had I've always I love the free market. I love the ability for people to just set up a shop and do something. But I share that value. I just want them to be beautiful. I mean, I have a garden. Let me just, just as an aside, I have, a gar I have a garden and it's in the middle of a field on our property. And this year I decided I, it was going to be beautiful because what's the point of having anything if it's not beautiful? What's the point? Make it as beautiful as you can get it. And so I, I mean, I, so I, I get that in my bones. I appreciate that. This is not about me and I apologize, but I, but I, but I feel that that should be a principle that we ought to adhere to as a society. Oh, I, I love that. And actually, I want to talk to you about gardening because I'm working on that. But oh, I, okay. I'd yeah, love to. Yeah, I, I live in like a, you know, a, uh, I live on a very ugly block in Brooklyn. And I, I a few years ago, I uh, created a stoop garden. And it's like gives, it's like improved the entire block. And then my neighbors started doing one. And it's like the most lovely thing. 
And it makes, oh, I, yeah, it makes me so happy. You planted an idea. I planted an idea. And now, you know, it, it, like I have to say it improved the entire block and people love it. Every time I'm outside tending to my garden, someone stops and is like, oh, I love your ferns. Oh, I love it's so nice. Um, actually, I, I was talking to Tucker a lot about gardening and stuff. So that's really? what was like pressing on my mind. Yeah. Uh, because Does he keep he's a garden? He, Sorry uh, to keep interrupting. So in the, no, in the property in Maine. So one of my favorite conversations I have with him, we're, we were um, sitting in his kitchen some morning. He'd just woken up. He was like in his boxer shorts and hair all messy and like we're drinking coffee. And for some reason, we started talking about trees. I think I asked like what, what some tree was outside. He went on for about two hours about trees. And it was one of the most hilarious and wonderful and delightful conversations. And I wish I could have put in the entire thing in the book. I put as much as I could in. Um, but that's sort of uh, the sort of conversations you have with Tucker Carlson, just you and him. And he's not someone that can um, doesn't have to talk about politics all the time. He can talk about trees, and it's wonderful. <laughs> and then it can turn to something like the Green Movement and, cl- and the climate change hoax and, and, and why it's so ridiculous. Um, because, um, you know, of course, like, uh, his focus on beauty is a wonderful thing, and, and he sort of does push the Republican Party to be more focused on those things, because they're, they're certainly not. When you live by first principles, or at least acknowledge them on a daily basis, that what is true and, and what are foundational for our society, you can engage in those things and they make sense to you because, and, and you don't necessarily have to pay attention to the noise because you filter the noise through those foundational principles. And he never let up on that. It was yeah, always so true. true. Appointment so true. viewing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I think that's why he is who he is today and why he has such a, a you know, kind of almost a mythical uh, 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 place in people's minds is because he had that connection with people, with his audience in a way that no one else on cable news, I think, ever has. Uh, you know, people really felt that deep connection. And and um, and as you put it, that's really a, a beautiful way to put it. These foundational principles are really at the core of um, well, being human, but I would say also, you know, conservatism. What are we trying to conserve? What kind of a world do we want to live in? What are the things that really matter to us? That's exactly right. Speaking of beauty, what an interesting cover photo you put on this book. Did you choose that one? How hard was it to choose that particular image, and how did you get that image? Uh, it, it was it was a it was a drama and a battle to get that image on the cover. Really? Uh, and really? there was actually a, I I believe we're releasing a special edition with a different image, which is a little more why. Well, because we loved two images so much, we couldn't decide. So the, the uh, other one is way more kind of out there and experimental, and, and I personally love it. But this image, um, yeah, I, I think it's great. I love this. I love the photo. I think the cover turned our, our design team did such a good job. Um, and it's, um, uh, you know, you kind of, it's, it's, I think that that picture of him, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a Mona Lisa face because you're not really sure what's going on. And I think I liked it so much because it's that, it's a bit of that classic Tucker face. Uh, but also, you know, he'd just been let go. He's he's a little in the woods right now. Well, literally, actually, in Maine. And um, yeah, it's a bit of that Mona Lisa look to it, which I, I just found, I thought it was so beautiful. I really, I, I love the photo. And then, no. uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, please. No, 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 you. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, the, the other photo is a little more avant-garde. The other cover that we might do a limited edition of, it's a little more avant-garde and, and quirky. And I and I like that as well. Uh, he he uh, cooperated with the book, but he didn't quote unquote authorize the book. How how did how does that sort of work? Yeah, I mean the, to- the term authorized biography is a little strange. Often, but not always, it it, it implies that the subject, um, you know, reached out, found a writer, they wanted a book written about them, they had editorial control. So I'm I'm an independent biographer. You know, Tucker's not affiliated officially with the book in any way. He's never seen a word of it, nor is he asked to. 
Um, and he trusted me, you know, which is a great responsibility, especially now, um, uh, uh, and, and a nerve wracking responsibility. Um, and, uh, um, but he just totally like opened up his life to me. And it, I mean, I, I feel so um, honored and blessed. Uh, and, um, uh, but he's not, um, he, he's not the sort of person that would ever like want a book written about him. He doesn't like that sort of attention. And he told me that the first phone call I ever had with them when, when I approached him and, uh, with this idea. Um, but, um, I think I, 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 I really don't know why he gave me this access to be honest. I can only think that he, I think he was just being, um, incredibly kind and maybe he, uh, liked my writing and, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to give me this opportunity. I, I think he, he trusted renewed. you, obviously. Yeah, he did. He did trust me a lot. And, and that, and that means the world to me. And, you know, he's, he, he's changed my life, uh, twice now <laughs> because, uh, my first time on, uh, Fox was on his show, obviously, in 2017, and I was a regular since then. I never thought I'd be on cable news. And then now he, you know, let me write this book about him. So let's let, let, let's park here for just a second what, to, about, to tell about what happened to you in 2017. Because in 2017, uh, you were an accomplished writer for all sorts of publications, but you're a gay man. And you came out and you said it was harder to come out as conservative than it was to come out as gay yeah <laughs> what yeah. how did that's how he got he he gained your notice right or right or is that how yeah, you guys connected um so it was tried to say. um yeah i uh <laughs> yeah i came out as gay in a small town in the midwest when i was 15 years old which would have been oh my god i, I, I don't know before 9 11 uh total breeze you know i was like celebrated uh and then came out conservative in new york city at, in my early 30s in 2017 and um you know <laughs> banned from gay bars and lost all my friends, lost all my jobs, you know, like fired from everything. Um, but uh, the official coming out was a piece I wrote in the New York Post because I, I just I got so fed up with, um, you know, mainly watching my colleagues in media and my and my bosses at the magazines I worked for being completely Trump deranged. And I kind of kept my mouth shut. I, I always kept my mouth shut about politics publicly because I felt like, you know, that's what you're supposed to do as a journalist. Little did I know. Yeah. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be professional. Little did I know. And um, um, but I, I got so fed up with it. I just thought these people were being so ridiculous. So I wrote a piece in the New York Post that I thought was, you know, incredibly innocent. Uh, and um, I just sort of said, I don't want to be affiliated with, you know, for, for anyone who cares. Um, I don't want them to think that I'm a part of this this cult and this bubble. You know, I actually don't hate Trump or his supporters. I believe in free speech. I think the media is getting a lot wrong. And got a lot wrong in the last election, the 2016. And um, that's sort of all I said. I thought it was super innocent. And that 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 caused this huge backlash and it went viral. Um, and that's when Tucker asked me on his show. That story ran on a Saturday, I believe. And that Tuesday, he asked me on. Um, uh, and that was my first experience um, with him and on Fox News and on cable and going to, uh, you know, uh, the Fox News headquarters. Um yeah, that was sort of it. And then they, they kept asking me back on. I couldn't really figure out why. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I'm like particularly good at what I'm doing. Like, there are people who spend their lives like wanting to be on TV. And I'm like, why are you asking me on? Like, I'm not like that smart. And, um, and then, and then um, I, I kind of figured it out, you know, especially as I was working on this book. And is that's that, you know, Tucker, like, he absolutely loves anyone who uh, stands up and has the courage to and, and goes against the grain. You know, those are his favorite people. And so back with what you were just saying, when you would have these um, far left people on like uh, RFK Jr., Glenn Greenwald, it's because he values that so much. Someone who would just stand up against something and risk everything. 
And so I realized that, you know, that's sort of, I think, why he kept having me on the show is because he saw me as one of those people. Uh, and um, um, but it was a, it, it was a, not only a staple in his guests, um, these the, the ex-liberal, you know, whenever someone like left publicly left the Democrat Party, they always had a seat on his show. He always had those people on. And um, uh, it was not only that, but also his viewership was a, was so many disaffected Democrats. And um, it was people who, oh, my God, so much. And also he had the um, the highest ratings in all of cable news for uh, 25 to 54 year old Democrats. I mean, 25 to 50 year olds in general, but also Democrats. Which was incredible. More what? Democrats of that age group were watching his show than MSNBC, which is incredible. And, oh, and not all of them, I'm sure, were hate watchers. I'm sure a lot of them were, you know, interested in the fact that he would talk about things that were formerly liberal values, such as being anti-war, questioning big business, questioning corporatism, and um, uh, and pro-free speech. I mean, those are things that back when I like was on the left. I don't know if I ever really was on the left back when I voted for the Democrat Party. Um, those are the things that I believed in and i believe that's what their party stood for uh now they uh, they certainly stand not for any of those things in fact they're they're pro all of those things <laughs> yeah that's true it must be shocking to see what's going on now the trans stuff what, what are you thinking about all this what what's the deal with the trans i mean where are we in the, the life of a nation when we have so little to uh busy ourselves but that we talk about somebody's sexual proclivities and we insist on selling it to children and and uh insisting that it's be in the uh political water table what the hell is that about oh it, it's like the last days of rome isn't it i mean it's just like unabashed decadence it's how you mm. can look at it. It yeah. is so, you know, it's so, it's like. Peel it's, me a grape, baby. Yeah. No, I mean, it really right, is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you don't <laughs> like your body here. Slice them off, you know? Oh, it's, it's so horrible. Um, I, I guess the practical end to that question would be uh, you've got this, this multi billion dollar, massively funded gay rights apparatus that's been in place that was built by gay men decades ago to achieve things like. Uh, you know, gay marriage or whatever, and laws that you can't get fired from a job for being gay. Um, I would say some of those things. I, I don't like the word marriage when it comes to to gay civil unions, but here we are, and we have it. But um, you know, some of those things are noble causes. I don't think you should be able to get fired from your job for being gay, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you have this apparatus in place that now has nothing to do except for this trans stuff, and even then, now they have to push it on the children. So I think you have a you have a lot of these groups that are um, they need donors, they need money, they need a, a reason for living. So this is the hill they've chosen to die upon, and they're extremely powerful. I mean, look at I mean, obviously they have the they have the president of the United States talking about transgender children, you know, which is the strangest thing and the creepiest thing in the world. Um, but I, I think <laughs> especially the, with his background, yeah, 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 exactly. But I think that <laughs> the deeper and darker thread of that is. Um, I think the thing that motivates the left, <laughs> I think the thing that motivates the left to its core right now is depopulation, like 100%. It's why they love it abortion. It's why it's hey, a Chadwick, climate change. Oh, you know, 100%. It's yeah. always been about that. Yes. Always. Yes. Every yes. movement, the Green Movement, yes. the Sierra Club initial, its origin story, the uh, their zero population growth group. That's I, I mean, there might be a group before that, but it's always been about zero population growth. Yes. And why? what why oh why oh, i could tell you i could tell you i could tell you from behind enemy lines why that is okay you no know, i remember even like when i was hanging out with liberals all the time um when my world was all like liberal intelligentsia 
they talked about it constantly. Like it is, it is legit what motivates everything. And, 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 you know, to, to some of them, you know, I don't, I, I, I didn't at the time think these were evil people. These are my friends. I think that they truly believe, uh, that, you know, the planet is at, you know, critical mass that, you know, we can't sustain this anymore, that we, that we, they believe these doomsday conspiracies that the climate cult preaches. So I think for, I think, I think they're, I think so many of them are misguided. I think that they don't really understand. I think they don't pay attention to actual science. Uh, you know, there's so many books they could watch, uh, read and videos they could watch that, um, you know, really sort of explain how, like just how, uh, how little humans actually do impact, uh, impact the environment. You know what I mean? And, and actually how much good we do. Obviously there, there are bad things that we do to the planet, but um, uh, I, I just don't think they understand it. I mean, I think they're, they're so like obsessed with this doomsday scenario, but that that's, I mean, this liberalism to a T, this is the biggest thing that I noticed when I left the left and joined the right was the, the, the difference in the people that I met and the, and the difference in my friends. Everyone I knew on the left was unhappy. And they made more money than me. They had great jobs. They had great families. They had every reason to be happy people, but they were all miserable because they subscribed to this worldview that we're killing the planet. Everything is dying. You know, we're killing the polar bears. We're killing black people for sport. We're a horrible <laughs> species. We're doing Just the worst absurd. things that we can. And then you go over <laughs> to the right. I'm like still like amazed by this. Everyone I meet on the right is like so, for the most part, uh, full of love and light and, 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 and have a levity to them. I would say love and light in that, like, you know, that way, but like yeah, lightness, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Love and light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, like a levity <laughs> to them. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's really just, it's the worldviews that we sub, uh, sub, uh, subscribe to. Um, you know, the difference between walking into Fox news headquarters, obviously not anymore, but before Tucker's right. firing, now it's a different environment. But the difference between walking into Fox News headquarters and walking into CNN's headquarters, which I've done both, is night and day. At Fox, like everyone's happy. Were they were happy? Um, you know, it was like, like it was like, great. I mean, you wanted to be there. Everyone was fun. The makeup ladies were hilarious. You go into CNN, everyone's like miserable, angry, and treats you like dirt. And, and it's just, it's just like it's a difference of the world news. It has to be. So here you were, you you were a uh, face on Fox News often on Tucker's program, as well as others, including the uh, Greg Gutfeld show. And I understand he just cut you off. Yeah. To to Greg's credit, it was it certainly was not his his decision. But, um, you know, they booted me off. I was scheduled to be on his show. They scheduled those things weeks in advance, like for your appearance on Gutfeld show. Uh, and I was a regular uh, once a month for the entire two years of the show. Uh, and um so I was scheduled to be on for my May appearance. And then like an hour after I announced the book on Tucker, I was pulled off the show with some lame excuse. And then, you know, obviously I'm blacklisted from the network now because I wrote this book. Um, to Greg's credit, I, I, I'm sure that was not his decision and I'm sure he didn't like it. But, um, but I tweeted about it because I thought people should know what's going on at Fox. And then Greg blocked me on Twitter and I couldn't believe it. Come on. He, I, I, thought, keep, I always think that he's bigger than stuff like that. You know, he's very I'd small. like to think that. Yeah. No. Um, um, I mean, I don't know. I think he's probably one of the good ones at Fox, but I think he's a company man. You know what I mean? Like, like most people who are still on air there. Uh, but what Greg doesn't understand and that he, he should, he should certainly be privy to is that, and Tucker knew this very, very well. Um, and he told me this and he's written about this before is that, and he had people like early mentors in cable news, like Larry King, who told him this 
is that every job in cable news is a temporary job. Every and and you need to prepare yourself for that because you are so interchangeable and forgettable. You know, especially to a network like Fox, you are nothing. Case in case in point, what they did to Tucker. Um, so I think it would it would it would I think a lot of you know people in cable news like they're TV people. So many of them are, are shallow and vapid and not very smart. Um, I, I don't think Greg is any of those things, but it's true. I mean, it's true. I don't think Greg is any of those things, but um, I, I do think Greg that has very strong convictions and values, but he should know that he will be get the Tucker treatment in a second, and he should not sure. forget that. You know, I mean, Tucker Tucker's released. He's still getting a paycheck from Fox News, so it wasn't technically fired, but he's released, and, and that should make everyone... Dana Perino, Greg Gutfeld, Jesse Waters, all the stars on the program, on this, on the uh, network, really think it, think about what they're doing. And, you know, that's, that's probably why it, part of, part of the reason it, it happened, because y- you talk about why he was uh, taken off the air. Tell us the story as you understand it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's a super smart point. And that, that's sort of my personal opinion is that he was taken off the air to be made an example of. So as you said, everyone suddenly gets into line and oh my gosh. Um, you know, that's not what my sources told me. My sources told me something else. And I have no reason to think that they would lie to me, but, um, uh, you know, they told me it was a part of the condition with the settlement with Dominion. Um, and I think that these people know what's going on. Um, if I, I hope that's not true, because if that is true, Dominion's of course denied this uh, and Fox has denied this. Um, but I they, hope they it's said not they true. didn't insist on it. Dominion well, yeah, said that, they didn't well, insist on it. Their wording was super curious. They said, they said we did not insist upon his firing. And as you just pointed out accurately, he's not fired. He's still an, he's still an employee of Fox News. Um, so, yeah, that is what they have said in their statement. Um, I, I just really hope that's not true, although it very well could be. Because it, that's just like too dark and sinister for the world that I want to live in. You know what I mean? That, oh, <laughs> Both in my mind, in my heart, and physically. Chadwick, that whole that whole settlement yeah. made no sense. No, well, it, it made no sense unless you realize that Rupert Murdoch is 157 years old and makes Joe Biden look lucid. Okay. So, yeah. so what does that have so, to do? What, what does that have to do with that crazy settlement? Because they didn't want him to testify. It was all about that. The only reason why they settled was that Fox News could not have Rupert Murdoch testifying because of he's like I like I just pointed out. They reached well, that agreement like minutes before they were supposed to go to trial. So if Dominion, if if Dominion had Fox by the the testicles and could make them do anything that they wanted. And someone said, yeah, we want this Tucker guy to stop talking. They could have done anything. It was minutes before they were supposed to go to trial. Uh, and it was How all because Rupert that? Murdoch is, well, because they're, they're, they had to circle the wagons around the, 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 the boss, the owner of News Corp. So if you understand that, that's why they reached this crazy, crazy settlement. And if Could they the had Lachlan this, have testified? Well, I'm sure he probably would have had to as well. But obviously, if someone wanted to make Fox look bad, they could demand Rupert testify. And Rupert is still... A, a huge part of the company. He's not un, uninvolved. Um, and so they could have. So this is what more than one person has told me about why they settled. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing that makes the least amount of sense to me. And that was the first thing I thought of. I wonder if this had any, because the timing of it was so obvious. And I thought, well, 
whoever's leaking the information from either Dominion or Fox News about Tucker's texts, videos and all that stuff, the texts show that he didn't buy the Dominion machines are being fixed stuff. He didn't buy that at all. He didn't even like Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, probably because he's just not, sometimes he's just silly. And so, um, and I like Donald Trump, by the way. Yeah. For all you no, Trump, I do too. I, I, I very much like him <laughs> a lot. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> so, so I always thought that was just the weirdest story, but those kinds of dynamics make it uh, more understandable then. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the text leaking, well, it wasn't even, um, I mean, his stuff on Donald Trump, I, I got him talking. So I was, I was physically with Tucker in Florida when all those texts were dropping. So I was getting like the real time reaction between him and Justin, his producer. And so, of course, we talked about Donald Trump extensively. And I, I tried to put every single word of what he said into the book. And I think it's wonderful. I think his perspective on Trump is is really great and really entertaining. Um, but I don't think he, I don't think he, I, I know he does not hate him. And kind of knowing Tucker as I do, what I would say from those text messages was him being emotional and in the moment, you know, like we've all fired off text messages to people we trust being like, I hate this person so much. Oh my God. You know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, yeah, you know, like that's what I felt like he was doing. And Tucker's a very, very reactive in the moment, emotional guy. So like uh -huh. that makes sense to me that he would obviously say things like that. Um, but, um, when he spoke to me about Trump, he was he didn't kiss his butt. You know, he was super honest about his impressions of Trump and both what he loves about him, what he really hates about him. Um, and I put like every word of it in the book. Um, but uh, called Tucker, with, with, by the way, pre-order yeah. now on Amazon. Thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, Is uh, it, well, with, I happen to be I happen to be an audiobook producer, so yes. I have to have to ask the question: Will there be an audiobook? There will. Uh, I'm recording it any day now, and that will drop. Okay. The day the book officially goes on sale, which is July 18th. Have you done an audiobook before? No, I never have. I'd love your advice. Uh, it's the hardest damn thing you'll ever do. Oh, no. It is. I'm not even kidding. Oh, it's, no. I've done everything in this business, in yeah. the media world. I feel like I have anyway, because I've yeah. been around a while. I tell you something. It is the hardest thing you will you will ever do. It's it's harder than writing. Harder than writing. Why did you That's have to tell so, me that? that? Writing's I was like, oh, hard. I was walk in there and read my book. It's going to be a lot of nope. fun. No, it's going to be terrible. No. No, I mean, I oh, would have no. fun with it for sure, yeah. but I... But I mean, I don't go in there thinking it's going to be a cakewalk. And if well, it is easy, I'm really great. I'm glad just, we had this chat. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I mean it, man. It's just, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about something, because I saw this about Buckley, his brother. Yeah. And how I, I guess he's working at some think tank or something now. Is that correct? Or I'm not I sure imagine what he's that up to that now. Well, uh, it was when he was working for The Daily Caller, which was another one of Tucker Carlson's media properties. He started it, founded it after he left the Weekly Standard. And uh, so what was funny was his brother wrote a piece and for the Weekly Standard and someone who was part of the piece had um, written and complained about it. And a, a, a woman by the name of Amy Sp Spitalnik, and she wanted to have a correction <laughs> in the story about Bill de Blasio, some $80 billion transportation. Have you ever seen this me this memo? Because yeah. I've got to read this to you. Yeah, read it. As, uh, so so Tucker, of course, is a, the guy in charge. And Amy writes this howler to Tucker Carlson and asks for retraction or something. I'm sure she wanted a, the firstborn and all that. And and so here's, a, here's this response. And this is so 
Awesome. Dear Amy, thanks for your email. You believe our story was inaccurate and have demanded a correction. Totally fair. We are going over the transcript right now. What Bedford complained about was your tone, which I have to agree was whiny and annoying. And I say that in the spirit of helpful correction rather than as a criticism. Outside of New York City, adults generally write polite, cheerful emails to one another, even when asking for corrections. Something to keep in mind next time you communicate with people who don't live on your island. Best. Dr. Carlson. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Is that the best? So good. Oh I remember that gosh. story. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is just so, so well, funny. Well, it's one of the reasons why to, we uh, love him. He has such a delightful way of skewering people, doesn't he? <laughs> oh man. I, um, it's, it is no wonder Lindsey Graham and all the, the, uh, I will, I love Greg Abbott did go on his show one time and I'm sure heartily regretted it right after afterwards anyway so so about tucker's family now so dick carlson was his dad i I just want to kind of go back and in there because i don't want to take up all your time but um dick carlson was his dad and at the time in the early 80s i was i was i was working i know you were a child mere child if you were born at all and um and uh so I was working in San Diego at a radio station in the news department. We had 17 people in the news department. That used to be the way radio was. And uh, Dick Carlson was running for mayor of San Diego. Did you go back over some of the uh, things that they were writing about Dick Carlson at the time? Because it was, I mean, Dick Carlson's a star. Dick Carlson was not well liked in San Diego. (laughs) one of my colleagues at the radio station who happened to be very politically attuned and was involved he got he made these bumper stickers and it said and this is when dick dick had a few pounds on him and it said no fat mares with a slash an international no (laughs) (laughs) i still have it it's in my storage unit somewhere that's amazing no way i I actually never saw that bumper sticker i wish i would have that would be great detail if i find it i will shoot you uh, i'll shoot you or you know whoever i need to talk to a text Uh, Um, i'll send it to dick i'm sure he'd get a kick out of it (laughs) oh he oh i just oh god i'm sure he saw those i mean how embarrassing is that but he but his dad uh was a guy who worked for the state department and he worked for uh all the the um uh what were the, uh, what were the agencies he were so have he ran um, it, it, here it was his so he was a radio, radio uh, marquee he was a, yeah, he was um, a media guy and voice of america voice of america and voice of america that's it that's, that's it. Ran, and, yeah. and so everybody thought he was a spook because you know on some level he might have been did no, you ever uh, find out if dick was I did. he a cia I asked agent him directly because i knew people thought he worked for the cia and and the uh-huh. stuff uh he <laughs> laughed when i asked him that um, yeah uh-huh and he, he he was like, no, I had friends in the CIA. I was good friends with this person and this person. And sometimes I'd fly with them. So people thought I was in the CIA. That that was Dick's response. Uh, but he, he <laughs> you know, if, if Tucker, if, if he said if he said that on his own son's show, his his son would have gone. OK, sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe I, mean. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't know. I don't know. That's all I can say. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was. um. It was his run for mayor in San Diego that got him into like Washington Republican Party politics because obviously Ronald Reagan became president and then California conservatives kind of started moving to Washington. 
So it was that, that he got sort of in Reagan's circle just by running for mayor. Uh, that's how he got involved with that. And then he was um, ambassador to the Seychelles uh, under uh, Bush. And then from there, he headed up the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And so he was like a big supporter of public broadcasting, but with the bane of wanting to make it less liberal bias and make it a little more centrist and conservative. And then Tucker had a show on PBS, a brief show on PBS, actually, which was uh, his dad had already left, I believe. Um, but obviously he had connections there because of his dad. Um, so yeah, that's, he was in, in government radio and, uh, public broadcasting after he left, um, California. Yeah. I think he was a news anchor before my time Um, in San Diego. In uh, in San Diego. Yeah. He actually broke some amazing stories. He was in San Diego. Uh, oh my gosh. He won an Emmy for his 37 part series on, uh, uh, Actually, this was when he was in L.A., not San Diego, but he was on. Uh, and he's, he launched um, the investigative unit for uh, a TV station in Los Angeles, and he won an Emmy uh, for a series. That, this is so. This is so amazing. It exposed uh, there was a, a car company in the 1970s called the Dale uh, that was supposed to be a three wheeled automobile that got 70 miles to the gallon during the energy crunch, and he exposed it as essentially the uh, Theranos of its day. Like it was a massive Ponzi scheme. It was all a fraud. Oh, Wait for the best wow. part. Wait for the best part. The CEO of the company, Elizabeth Carmichael, was on the cover of every magazine. She was hailed as the first CEO, uh, a female CEO of an automobile company. The left was going crazy over her. Not only was she a massive fraud and was scamming everyone out of money, she was also a man. A man Gosh, really? who fathered so- 10 children from five different women <laughs> oh and gosh. was on the lamb from the feds for a massive <gasps> counter- a, a currency fraud scheme, <laughs> became a woman Sorry and started this- no, it's, it's, it's so good. <laughs> no! It's so amazing. And Elizabeth Carmichael, um, whose real name is Jerry, um, so Dick exposed all this and the- that Elizabeth Carmichael was actually Jerry Carmichael, a man, uh, and in a 37-part series for local TV in Los Angeles and won an Emmy for it. Then he went out, this is, I'm sorry, I'm giving away so much, but then he went on from there and this just <laughs> this would drive the left insane if they knew this, that Tucker Carlson's oh dad did this. He went on from there uh, and he exposed the fact that there was a, um, uh, a, this was a huge scandal in the 70s. There was a, a, a woman's tennis champion in California named Renee, Richel, Renee Richards, who was beating all these women in their tennis um, competitions, who Dick exposed was also, you guessed it, a man. Um, I remember Renee Richards. I, I only broke ever story. knew. I never knew he broke that story. Dick broke that story. And ironically, oh they remained gosh. friends after that. Because Dick was like, really? not, oh, Dick's red. I'm not anti-transgender. I don't care. Live your life. But he's like, I just thought it was an amazing story. And um, they oh, kept totally. in contact after that. <laughs> yeah. Which oh, how was, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a pretty nice detail. Yeah. Is this the is this the hardest project you've ever worked on? Um. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And, and um, you know, the most meaningful, I think. And I don't mean to sound like a sycophant. Not like, oh, I think Tucker's God. But I just think he's like... You know, 
just a fascinating character. I know he means so much to so many people that, um, you know, of course, like you want to do a good job and like, you know, there's so many ways you can approach this. And I hope I did. Um, I hope I did his, uh, his, his fans and his enemies justice because I just wanted to tell a story about a human being. Uh, and I hope that's what I accomplished, you know, a remarkable human being, I would say not to, not to, again, you know, kiss his butt, which I, I hope I'm not sounding like I'm doing that. I just genuinely believe that, you know? You know, to me, it's it's an interesting thing that he and his wife have you stay with them when you go to do your interviews. What's it like in their house? Oh, my gosh. So, um, yeah, it was amazing because, um, you know, the first time I asked to come down to Florida, uh, Tucker's just like, oh, yeah, it bring that group chat with Susie. And I was like, oh, wow, you got giving your wife's phone number. This is kind of amazing. This is like when we first started. Um, and uh, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, is there a hotel near you? You recommend I, uh, I should stay at? And and Susie's like, well, no, you're staying with us, obviously. Um, they don't live in their house in Florida. They live in and it's not like it's it's a nice home, but it's not like some palatial estate like Rush Limbaugh lived in in Palm Beach. Like it's actually it's like 1400 square feet, you know, uh, and um, they don't live in the house. They live in the pool house like by design. They just. It's and the pool house is just like I mean it's literally just a little building off the pool that um has a bed and a toilet uh and that's about it uh so so Susie and and um Tucker and the four spaniels all live in the pool house but then they come into the main house to, like use the kitchen and whatever and Tucker's like writing garden a garden in the saunas uh, you know off the main house um so like I was staying um in the house and they're just like you know, they're just like anything you want is yours. And, you know, it's, it's so funny. Cause, um, like, no, they just offer you anything. I, I'm no, I'm, they, they just want you to feel at home, which I really appreciated. Um, and, um, you know, I could tell Susie really loves that at, at one of the times when I was there, uh, his producer, Justin was also staying in the house, um, with his husband. And it was just like, they, um, I, there's actually a really sweet story I write about in the book, um, about, uh, Justin's, husband ryan uh had a seizure recently as a seizure disorder seizure disorder um and uh, he had a massive one back in november and he's left unable to speak he's a young guy and he has um aphasia i think it's called aphasia um, uh-huh. yeah, yeah 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 um so he can't speak and uh he and Susie were um so close it was like so heartwarming and Susie could kind of know what he's trying to say and would interpret for him and then you know they'd go off and like do lunch together or whatever um, I, that was like a heart, that was really a heartwarming thing to see. Cause they're like part of the family, you know, here's Tucker who's painted as like, you know, this like antichrist Nazi, whatever they want to call him. And then there's this like gay couple that's his producer and his husband staying in his home and you can tell they're all very, very close. And the, and the husband's going through this horrible disability right now. And they were just like family, you know, it was, it was a really sweet thing to witness. Is he going to get better? Do you think, is he making progress or is it just, he's not gonna be able to speak? Um, he is, uh, he is making progress. Um, so he could, at first he was left completely unable to speak, uh, and his mind's all there. So you can only imagine how frustrating that must be. So frustrating. Yeah. And, um, he, uh, so when I was there, he was able to say yes and no. Um, that was sort of about it, but he was going through, um, speech therapy and stuff. Uh, so, you know, praise, pray to God that he gets better. I, you know, I think he may, uh, but he's not there yet. Yeah. So, 
what an unusual setup they've got. So in Maine, you've been to their house in Maine too. Is that, does he have studios at both houses or how does that work? Um, the studio's not in the houses. They're separate, uh, you know, down the road in Maine. Somewhere else. Yeah. In Maine, they live on a one acre island and he takes a boat wow. to work. Yeah. A little tiny little island. Um, and again, it's, it's, you know, it's rustic and beautiful. It's not, you know, opulence or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can definitely see why he loves it there. Um, and mm-hmm. he, in Maine, he commutes to work by boat. And uh, in Florida, he commutes to work by golf cart. Uh, oh, okay. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's funny. Yeah, and Maine is very clearly his, like, most favorite place in the entire world. Um, and, and that location is where, as a child, they had a summer home. Uh, so that's uh, sort of what brought him to Maine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now that must be a happy place for him now. He, he had sad, a sad story besides Dick being quite a character. His mother left the family. She abandoned their family, right? Yeah. Lisa, when she, when Tucker was uh, six years old, um, Lisa, who was this heiress, like legit California heiress from one of the wealthiest families in San Francisco, uh, just decided it wasn't for her. She didn't want to be a mom, and she just skipped out. Uh, Tucker never saw her again since he was six years old. Um, she died in 2011, but I, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine being a mother doing that. But then also, I can't imagine what what it'd be like for Tucker, who who um, you know is very. Uh, yeah, I think Susie. I, I got more of an insight into how it affected him by talking to Susie uh, than him because he's very like he's you know of course he's just like. You know, she didn't want us. Who cares? You know, blah. Um, and and uh, that's got to leave a mark. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to say, though, you know, something that Susie told me that he said to her was um, he said, you know, she so she she left to become this sort of art world groupie. And I talked to people who knew her and, um, you know, she was big into drugs and alcohol and living that lifestyle. And I think probably her entire life she was probably, you know, abusing substances uh, and he said, um, he said to Susie once that, you know, I feel really lucky because um, can you imagine what it would have been like to grow up in a home with that person, you know, with this crazy person? He's like, I feel blessed that she left. I didn't have to grow up in that. I probably would have been a completely different person. I think that kind of speaks to how his healthy outlook on the situation, you know, he himself, he stopped drinking 20 years ago and, you know, doesn't touch anything. Um, and, and that must probably be a part of it. He, you know, probably realized that he had that in his DNA, you know. So, and his kids are often doing life. Are they're uh, they're school age though? Are they in college or boarding schools or what are they doing? They're all in their twenties now. I believe as we speak, they're all out of no. I think one is maybe still in college, um, but they're all. Yep, um, his son just got married a couple weeks ago. I probably oh, wow. to say that. Yeah, I, I, that, that might be privileged information, but I'm sure. Okay, whatever. I'm not. I oh, won't say anything. No, you, you think I'm going to broadcast no. it? I mean, I don't think that's. I don't think there's really like. <laughs> I don't think that's public, but um, yeah, uh, um, yeah, they're all um, great. You know, his his um, his relationship to his to his children and to his wife is obviously the thing that's most important to him in the world. And and I think that the what he struggles with most in his life is probably his children's relationship with his job. You know, because it's obviously difficult for them. Uh, not not just um, the hate that they have gotten because of who their father is. But also, you know, determining if people in their lives are there um, because they actually enjoy them or because of who their father is, you know, I'm sure that's extremely difficult. I think that's probably the thing he struggles with the most. That's interesting. What insights, Chadwick Moore? The book is Tucker. Go on Amazon and pre-order it. Now, one last question for you. What are you growing in your garden? 
we need to talk off air about this. So I, I, I just now got, I just now, I just now, after a decade of living in this apartment, got access to my backyard and it's a mess and I don't know what to do. So I started cleaning up back there and I started building beds, but I really need some advice. But my stoop garden is like, you know, I love ferns because they're prehistoric and amazing. So mm, I just, I love ferns. Cool. So my stoop garden is like all ferns. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we need to talk about what I should be doing back there because I really need some help. <laughs> Depends on how much sun you get back there as to what you grow. It's, so. it's a, I would say it's a part sun. It's a, it'd have to be a shade garden. Oh, yeah. okay. I love hostas. Garden. Can't go wrong with hostas. They're hostas. very pretty. You're right. I grew up with my mom always having hostas. I guess I see some yeah, hostas. They're pretty cool. They're pretty cool plants. They look prehistoric too. <laughs> they do oh, well, actually. We'll, we'll right talk off that. air about it then. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll DM me on Twitter. We'll totally. Talk. We'll talk. We'll, we'll talk. I can't we'll talk. I, I can't believe, I just, I looked you up on Twitter, you know, I couldn't, I wasn't following you. And I thought, did you get, no, I'm sure I was. And then, and then I just followed you yesterday thinking, what the hell? I, of course I've been following Chadwick Moore for years. So I, that's happened a couple of times where you didn't change anything, right? No, okay. that's something that's happening because there's people that I know I'm following and I look and I'm not following them. Yeah, that's I think, weird. I think there's I mean, still right? some like holdovers at Twitter that are like messing around. You know what I mean? I think so. Yeah. There's got to be deep staters there. Yeah, for there sure. There probably are, actually. Well, of course. No, well, listen, seriously. <laughs> I, they probably are. Yeah. Thank no, I you agree. so much for... Thank you. You've been oh. more than gracious with your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, this was it such a delight. It was so nice speaking with you. Great right, thank speaking you so much. with you, too. Go get the book. Tucker. <laughs> Amazon. Pre-order. That's what determines whether or not you make the lists. So do it sure. to help Chadwick more. And, he's, and pray for him. He's going to go in. And by the time this airs, which will be, you know, a few days, you will have already gone into the studio to start doing your audio book. And Godspeed. That's Godspeed. That's something else <laughs> we have to talk about. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the warning. I should be more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't let him rush you. All right. That's good advice. Yeah. Don't let him rush you. You do it your time, your way. <laughs> totally. Totally. Okay. Thank Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen. And give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs, and it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, mischief managed.